0: All right. Hey, what's up, everybody? Episode two thirty four of Living Off the Land. Thank you guys for listening, and we have got a special guest tonight. Uh, recurring guest on the show, uh, good friend of ours, all the way back from Strongsville High School seniors,
1: 05,
0: Jordan Hoffman is on the show tonight. Jordan, how we doing?
1: I am doing all right. Yourself?
0: I'm oh, doing great. Can't complain. the uh, The
1: weather is still
0: somewhat, I, I guess I can't really say summerish, but hell, it's supposed to be in the 70s again this weekend, and it's November, so. We will take that.
2: This week looks like it's going to be absolutely stellar. In fact, the weekend is going to be awesome as well. Uh, like Dan said, seventies. I mean, first week of November. Sign me up for that. Hell yeah. Well, uh, well anyway, four inch inseam
1: shorts are still uh, making their way around my route.
2: Four
0: inse- Four.
1: Got to be doing well.
0: Four is wow. Those are those are aptly named nut huggers. The heck, four? I've never even heard of a four inch inseam.
2: That's
1: how you know it's good.
0: <laughs> Apparently. All right. Well, anyway, you heard the crack of the beers at the beginning of the episode that we try to do most episodes. Uh, and we're going to get into it. We've got a couple different beers tonight. What, Jordan, what is your beer of the week this week?
1: Uh, I am drinking a Founders Oktoberfest because, uh, much like this summer, I am just not willing to let go yet. And uh these are my favorite styles when you're getting into the darker beers of uh, fall and winter, so October may be over, but I'm still holding on to it. It's a German style Marsen and it ah, is fantastic.
0: A Mierzen. I think that's how oh, they, yes. So I, I think that's how they pronounce that. I think.
1: It's got umlauts. So Mierzen. That's not my uh, So not my forte.
0: Yeah? You don't know yeah. how to uh to uh pronounce Zepia?
1: Uh, not this, this the umlauts. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh i love the german accent it's fantastic it um, always
1: seems to come up when i'm around i'm not sure if it's just the beers that i bring uh, or the timing in which you usually have me
0: true uh, maybe maybe the 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 name hoffman maybe i don't know is that german i don't know
1: yeah
0: yeah 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 see un german. um well anyway i just realized that uh even though we're in the beer segment and he never drinks beer, I never introduce Steve on the show. So with me as always, the great Steven Stefano. Steve, how are you doing?
2: Oh, you know, I'm just hanging out over here. I'm just, yeah. you know, shooting the breeze pretty much. It's Wednesday night. And you, know, you know what that
0: means. That's right. AEW Dynamite. Uh, 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 sorry, living off the land. Mm-hmm. Coming to you from the wonderful Palatial Home Studios. P. Heights, baby. That's right. So anyway, uh how are we liking the Founders?
1: Uh, very good. I mean it's um, I would I would call it pretty standard as far as you know, marks and Oktoberfest. style. Fest. Uh, n- not not a lot of bite, which is good. So mm. it's got kind of a smoothing smoother finish to it than I would expect.
0: Yes, yes, very much so. Uh, awesome. Yeah, Founders is up in is a Michigan brewery. Uh, I'm trying to think. Grand
1: Rapids, I believe. Grand
0: Rapids, yes, yes. That's one of the more famous uh, uh, Michigan breweries. I think Founders and then probably Bells, I believe. Bells Oberon is always a, a big-time summer beer. Um, so I think those are a couple of the big Michigan breweries. But Founders is very well-known. Uh, Two-Hearted, They're, uh, uh, I believe is an IPA from them, which is very, very good.
1: Meal.
0: Oh, is it? I could be wrong. Well, oh. I guess
1: IPA is a type of ale, but I think oh. it's more based on that. I could be wrong. I
0: can't I can't really uh <clears throat> I can't really make fun of you for that because uh, I used to think that an IPAs were actually made in <laughs> India. Hence their name India Pale Ale, but they are not.
2: So <laughs>
1: Well I mean they can't be
2: Well sure, you know. I'm sure they make <laughs> IPAs over there in India. I can't even imagine the supply chain challenges that would result from them actually being there like like halfway around the world i mean my gosh especially now
0: but uh anyway
1: american ipa so you are right
0: hey all right so anyway my beer is a columbus beer i was in columbus this past weekend uh jordan and his lovely wife leslie uh put me up for a day basically and uh gave me a place to crash so appreciate that and my uh beer is wolf's ridge brewing which is down there in columbus and it's a beer we've had on this podcast before. This is their coffee vanilla cream ale called Daybreak. And this basically tastes like a alcoholic vanilla coffee. That's basically what it is. A carbonated alcohol vanilla coffee. And it is spectacular.
2: There's a lot going on there. Yeah, you want to try it? Wait, wait, wait. Alcohol carbonation and coffee i mean that's that's strike one strike two and strike three right there so <laughs> I'm, all right i'll leave sorry then i'm out so yeah uh
0: like you we said we've had yeah, on... i give
2: it about a 1.3 <laughs>
0: you didn't even try it you're not allowed to do that
1: <laughs> he's just reading the can there's nothing on that he likes yeah here we go so you in the pregame was talking about how there's nothing on there that i don't like
0: yeah so uh we we like to read the little blurbs on the cans uh as we talk about the beers and uh, this one daybreak from Wolf's Ridge says confusing to the senses in the best way possible daybreak's clarity and golden color belie the smooth coffee presence inside brewed with a local one-line coffees rotating house roast and the finest vanilla beans. It. uh, it Won silver in 2019 and gold in 2020 in the coffee beer category at the American Beer Festival, Ooh. which is uh, which is pretty great. It's a great beer. It is it is it is fantastic. Five percent alcohol by volume, 14 IBUs. It's just great. Um, you can find this. Wolf's Ridge is now becoming uh, pretty prevalent up here. Um, it was about a year ago when we did this beer for the first time and it was something that i had never even heard of or seen before i didn't know anything about wolf's ridge but i saw it at my local liquor store and uh just looking at the can and looking at the description i had to, i had to try it and it's it's fantastic um one of my favorite all-time beers is the albino coffee stout uh from butcher and brewer and this has the same similar types of notes to it and uh, it's just great. I love it. So, uh, Jordan, why don't you go ahead and give uh, Founders Oktoberfest a rating, and then I'll rate uh, the Daybreak from Wolf's Ridge.
1: Yeah, um, I got the quick blurb about it as well. Uh, Ooh. Lincoln, you'll think you're in Bavaria. Bavaria. We in on tradition with our Oktoberfest using important German malts and hops with a beautiful jager, lager yeast for the finish. Uh, pours a gorgeous copper hue with a rich malty and slightly sweet backbone, which I would agree with. Mm. Uh, our version is akin to the beer poured in the early days of Oktoberfest. <laughs> I love the
0: um, I, I love the use of the word hue. It's fantastic. Oh yes,
1: but uh, no, I mean, it, like I said, it's it's a solid Oktoberfest. Um, I mean, it doesn't jump out at me aside from kind of that sweet, smooth finish uh, mm. that was a little bit. Uh, surprising because yeah i think i have the last time i was on here i think i noted the Oktoberfest beer i was drinking kind of lacking a bite but in mm-hmm. a very good way i find this to kind of lack that hit okay. or punch which makes it uh, very smooth i mean i could probably take this can down and a couple gulps if i really wanted to house it um but uh It'd be like I usually seem to talk about a good fire beer and uh, perfect for the weather that we still have right now. So I will drink to that and give this uh, probably a very nice 6.9. (laughs) Hey-oh! So
0: immature. Excellent. Oh, man. Nice. 6.9. All right. Uh, Daybreak from Wolf's Ridge for me, uh, I cannot remember. and I don't have my phone because we're using it uh, at, for this uh, this call, for this podcast. I can't remember what I gave it when we had it on the show last. Um, but uh, I'm going to give it a 7.8 7. 8 for me for Daybreak from Wolf's Ridge. And those are... Our Beers of the Week. Beers of the Week. Beers
2: Yes, yeah. indeed. Well, as promised this week, we are getting back into our Better Noah Neighborhood segment. We're getting back into our rhythms. And so tonight, I thought it would be a good idea, with the weather being so good, probably might not be a bad idea to take our first venture out into the snow belt before the snow gets really crazy. Oh, boy. Um, this actually is a... City that has some hockey tradition, so Jordan will get to that in a second. But uh, it's most, perhaps most known on a high school level anyway for football. Uh, The high school football playoffs, playoffs of course, started last week. Uh, This team seems to always be in the mix every year. I am talking about the city of Menor, ah, which is our first trip up to Lake County since we've uh, started this segment. And Menor, if you don't know, is on the northeast side of Cleveland on Lake Erie. In fact, its northern border is Lake Erie. It's bounded in the west by Willoughby and roughly Route 306, in the south by I-90 in and Kirtland, and in the east by Painesville and roughly along Heisley Road. Uh, it's a fairly expansive city in terms of size uh, and, and population, and it's a city that has— a lot of great areas. The residential areas, you know, this is what I would call middle to upper middle class territory for most part. You're looking at home prices anywhere from usually from anywhere from two hundred thousand to about three hundred fifty or four hundred thousand. Uh, the majority of the re- unless if you're right on the lake, in which case you're talking serious serious money. Um, as it is in real estate, you're often paying for location, and there's not much of a better location than to be overlooking Lake Erie. So. Uh, that would be pretty true of pretty much any lakeshore community, but uh, <coughs> you know Menor Beach Park Pavilion is actually a pretty nice place to visit. That's right on Lake Erie. and then right along the inlet, just on uh, just to the to the east of that is the Menor Yacht Club, which has um, a lot of people park their boats there. It's a really great boat launch uh, out in Lake County. There's actually there's a few beaches up in this area, but a lot of it is more rocky. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like what you might see in Lakewood or Rocky River or something like that, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a shame, but you know, it's kind of a shame for a lot of our Lakeshore communities. But uh, the places where you have great beaches, you really have to kind of treasure them. But be that as it may, uh, Menor has a lot to offer, and I'm going to start on the south end of the neighborhood. I'm actually going to start at Lakeland Community College, which is right on the south end. LCC. Of, uh, right along the border with Kirtland. Uh, Lakeland Community College offers more than a 1,000 credit courses and numerous programs to fulfill its mission to provide quality learning opportunities to meet its social and economic needs of the community in Lake County and beyond. And their, their tuition per semester uh, for in-state is like $4,500. That's not very much. That's actually quite affordable. So um, if you're out on the east side and we're considering uh, educational opportunities, Lakeland might not be a bad place to check out. Hmm. Um, Again, when we talk about these cities, we talk about residential areas and then your main commercial corridors. There's there's two sort of commercial corridors in this city, but the main one is along Route 20, uh, U.S. Route 20. And in the center of that, near actually just a little bit to the east of Route 615 is Great Lakes Mall. Great Lakes Mall is one of the larger malls in the area. It has over 70 stores, uh, has really a lot of what you would you know, would want in in, uh, in terms of shopping, um, pretty much anything from clothing to electronics to, you know, you have your your food court, you got your cinemas, you got pretty much everything that you might want. I think it's, I think I remember hearing that it was the third largest mall in the area behind Beachwood Place and South Park Center, uh, which some it's a little more out of the way, so people don't think of it as much as Strongsville or Beachwood. Mm-hmm. But Great Lakes Mall has a lot going on there. Um, honestly if, if you're out on that side of town that's a great place to visit And you know the holiday shopping season is not far away uh, perhaps some of the people who are playing ahead might already be making trips to the mall this weekend although with the weather being so great I, that's not something that I would uh, app for this weekend but snow's coming eventually you, mm-hmm. just, you don't know um, continuing through the city uh, going up a little bit Route 615 uh, you come to where Menor, you cross Route 2 you come to where Mentor High School is uh, that's where their, their high school football stadium, the nickname the JTO, is. And also the Menner Civic Ice Arena, which is supposedly, according to a lot of the Google reviews, the nicest ice arena in Northeast Ohio. It's rated 4.6, and there are lots of sterling comments. There's two large ice sheets there. Is it new? It must be fairly new. Oh, Jordan, have you ever skated it? Jordan, have you ever been there?
1: Uh, the name doesn't ring a bell it's probably a newer played facility in mentor um a couple times uh, i think that was more for when i was pre-high school so like peewees and rec league hmm. but um I, I remember it being nice uh, i think i'm trying to remember Elyria was the one that had really weird locker rooms because it was also partially outdoors it had two walls that were literally just uh, chain link and mesh because that was part of how they were able to get it built was the person who donated the money said they wanted it to be an outdoor rink um hmm. mentor i do remember it being one of the nicer places to go because um, that's the unfortunate part with a lot of the city run rinks um in the cleveland area you do get you know, if it's run by Parks and Rec, you don't always get the expert care that you get from a privately run rink. But I remember Mentor as being one of the places I did enjoy playing frequently.
0: Like good old Iceland, USA.
1: Can't go wrong. Definitely
2: That's where it not. all started.
0: Or er, Hoover Arena. I'm sorry, I'll never call it that. It's <laughs> always Iceland, USA.
2: Hoover, nobody does it like you. <laughs> no, it's Okay. <laughs> 8,600 8, Munson Road, Mentor, Ohio, is where Mentor Civic Ice Arena is. Pretty much right smack dab in the middle of the city. Mentor High School, it right on that whole complex. That's just north of uh, Route two, and that is almost dead center bullseye of, of of the city right there. Does Mentor
0: have a good hockey program? I don't know.
2: You know, I'm not quite as up on that. I don't, I don't know for sure. But it certain, certainly seems like they have a proper facility for that to be the case. Yeah. Um. One other thing that Mentor does not lack is bowling alleys. There are there <laughs> oh. are four of them within the city limits. It is a suburb of Cleveland. Including Bumpers Bar and Grill, which is on the far southwest corner of the city, and a little bit further north of that is Roll House Mentor, which, of course, Roll House Entertainment has, I think, like six or seven locations around yep. the Cleveland area. They have one right here in Parma, and they have one, I know, in well, Solon, and then there's a few others.
0: Just over in Parma. Mm-hmm.
2: We're, in, we're in the heights. P. Heights, yes. You, have to, you can't. You can't mix the two. No no. Like, no, 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 no. Like, we've talked about Parma on this segment. We have not talked about P Heights yet. That's right. So That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's there's a whole lot of other places to see. There's dog parks in Menor. There's there's not a big metro park in, in Menor, which is kind of surprising given the whole area of it. But there, there are areas that you could go.
0: Too far east, probably. Uh, yeah,
2: perhaps. I mean, it doesn't connect with the metro parks, so that, that could be the reason why. But definitely, there is there is one natural area I do want to point out though. That's the Carol H. Sweet Nature Center. That's on the northeast side of town, and that's a uh, it's a nature preserve. It's a good place for bird watching. It's there's a lot of areas that are actually like marshland, wetlands areas. So if you're like into looking at reptiles and stuff, that might not be a bad area. Like frogs and toads and stuff, that might be an area to see. Or king cobras. King, oh. <laughs> Maybe a, maybe
0: a Nile crocodile. <laughs> what piranhas
2: don't want any it of that. Might be a
1: water moccasin. Say. <laughs> nah.
2: Maybe a, maybe a gardener snake. So that's a fifty-one eighty-five Corduroy Road, Menor, Ohio. By the way, there are not cobras or piranhas there. Just just say like, that's what you yeah. think. Uh, but anyway, that's just a little ways away from Lake Erie. It's actually within walking distance of Lake Erie, so um, not a bad place to check out either. So. Lots to do. Really, really great place to raise a family. Uh, just really, I think Mentor is very si- a very similar community to Strongsville, actually. Yeah. If you if you think about it, demographically and socially, it, it's very similar, and in terms of the the area and population too. So, but that is that, and you can wham it with the right hand. That's right. All right, cool.
0: So we got to know another neighborhood. We're kind of getting back into our rhythms uh and let us move on so i mentioned earlier that i spent uh some time this past weekend in columbus and uh <clears throat> went to a columbus blue jackets game for the first time mm. yeah i don't i don't have the soundboard up i would uh, oh. Wah, uh, oh. Uh, 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 you know it's uh, funny uh, uh, you know it's funny uh, uh, uh. i didn't get to freaking hear that because i got blanked oh no
2: You didn't fire the cannon?
1: advertising to lead with that, since uh, yeah,
0: I didn't didn't get to hear the goal horn. I didn't get to. I I heard the cannon go off once, and I almost fell out of my chair. But uh, got jipped, man. I did get jipped. But I will say, I do want to say that uh, everything I've heard about Nationwide Arena lives up to the billing. That is a great facility. Agreed. That is 100%. a great arena. It's gorgeous. It's very well kept. The concourses are nice. They're well laid out. And, uh, I mean, we were, we were sitting up in, I mean, not nosebleeds. I mean, we were probably, we were probably halfway up the upper deck. And it was a, it was a great vantage point to be able to see, to see the game. Um, obviously the game didn't go, uh, our way. <clears throat> but, uh, I had a great time, Jordan. I know you've obviously been there a bunch, Um, but give me your thoughts on nationwide.
1: Oh, I mean, like I was telling you, um, just kind of in the lead up, I mean, regardless of where you sit, you're really not (sighs) going to get a bad view. Just, uh, I don't know if it's just how steep, uh, especially the upper level is just the sight lines uh, that they took the time to actually really think about. But I have literally sat with my back against the building um, I've been in the standing row, uh, standing room only, like party deck that they have that's basically like the third level. Yeah. Um, and I've been down low, you know, a few rows off the ice. And no matter where you sit, you're going to get a vantage point that allows you to, you know, be engaged. You don't get any obstructions. Um, you're always going to get, you know, pretty good help, I would say. Um, we were trying to figure out some of our Uh, We had tickets that came with food vouchers that I couldn't figure out or didn't know how to (laughs) access, and I was able to ask uh, guest services, and they were very helpful, cheery, and knew what I was talking about, which I think was probably my number one concern going in was, well, I paid for a ticket that came with this. I haven't seen anything come through on it. Uh, I hope they know what I'm talking about. I think that's the worst part is when,
0: oh yeah, you
1: know, you pay for something you think that is supposed to have something extra. And then when you get there, you know, you're greeted by somebody who has no idea what you're talking about, but she the, the person who helped us, she was very knowledgeable, you know, was able to lead me through it very quickly on my phone and, Oh, open up this app, access this, and then look down here and there should be a voucher coupon. And there it was. And it was uh, smooth sailing from there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then, you know, we had fun. I mean, obviously the game didn't go the way that we wanted it to, um, at any point. I mean, I would have liked to have heard the, heard the goal horn, but, uh, that was not to, uh, that was not to be, but, uh, but I had a good time. I mean, you know, you can only control what you can control, and you can't control what goes on on the court, the ice, the field. Um, and for a first, like obviously, you know, they got down. They ended up losing four nothing. They got down when they got down three nothing. The crowd started to turn a little bit. And you started to hear some boos and and whatever. And you know, I people can think about booing their own team how they will, but I mean, I for for being there for a first time even though we got blanked and we lost 4 nothing, I still had a really good time
1: I'm sad I forgot to take you when we were asking about the the food vouchers uh at guest services you can get a first game puck oh man you aged out of that bracket but we could have at least asked
0: <laughs> you could have said it was for Reese
1: well, he wasn't there either.
0: <laughs> it was funny though. Uh he uh I don't know, I don't know if he thought he was going to the game or he was trying to will his way to go to the game when I first got to your house and he kept coming back with more and more uh hockey apparel and gear on. I think he was trying to like oh, yeah. he was trying to give you a hint or something like, uh, "Yeah, give me an extra ticket."
1: yeah started with the jersey and then all of a sudden there was a mini stick and then after that there was a helmet he and the I, helmet yeah, I with... thought he was gonna try to just uh force jump himself into the back seat and yeah I, it was it was crushing to have to tell him well no buddy that's uh that's why grandma and grandpa are here because <laughs> <laughs> mom dad and dan are heading out to the game yeah
0: oh but uh um yeah i mean i had fun i i know i keep going back to that but you know there was nothing on the on the ice that made me have fun but the experience was good um it's
1: one of those it's one of those hard things where you'd love to talk about the game and the uh you know yeah experience of you know hearing the gold horn or hearing the cannon or things like that but uh yeah when the team doesn't quite uh show up to help provide some of that you're kind of focused on the you know well everything else was good and yeah you had fun and it was a good experience and
0: we did have, we did have, we did have something. Steve, wait to hear this. We did have something, uh, something happen that I've never seen. Ha- well, I can't say that because I've been at Browns games with a bunch of drunk idiots uh, <laughs> that drink too much. But we did have something happen in our row uh, that I, I rarely have I ever seen before. Uh, Jordan, if you want to kind of explain, I think you know what I'm talking about. What kind of happened?
1: Yeah, so obviously, this game was the uh, Friday before Halloween, so they were using it. Uh, it was the last home game uh, yep. before Halloween, so it was there. Lots of
0: kids, know. lots of Halloween yeah. costumes at this game.
1: Dress up and uh, experience the game for Halloween, and they had trick or treat stations set up. The first 3,000 kids got a cool Blue Jackets pillowcase to collect candy, and so it was great that in the section we were sitting in actually, like I said, was one where I got tickets through the ice rink. So right. I'm sure some of them were hockey families, um, with young kids and coworker, former coworkers that had kids, but yeah, this, uh, precious little three, four year old, uh, might've just had a couple too many pieces of candy and, uh, ended up throwing up, uh, at least a row, if not two rows forward and actually hit uh, an unfortunate couple who happened to be right in front of her.
0: <laughs> Little girl threw up on somebody that was sitting right in front of her. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, so so all of a sudden – I, I didn't see this going on. I'm paying attention on the ice. All of a sudden, somebody walks uh, – they, they walk by to try and get out of a row. We were sitting in the uh, on the aisle, and I didn't see – like, I didn't see, like, anything on her back. I didn't – you know, I wasn't paying attention. And uh, she walks by – And they leave, and uh, all I see is, like, I I, I can... You know one of those things where you you don't see it, but you can kind of feel it? So like, behind me, I can feel, like, people, like, talking and, like, gathering or whatever, and they're looking... Mm. People are saying like uh, like under their breath like gross and
2: there's just puke everywhere. There's puke on seats. There's just <laughs> it's just they. Oh had man, <coughs> and you know that when that happens, like if it's an adult, like it's like it's ready to drop the gloves and fight time. But yeah. like no, it was, with, it, yeah. with, it, with it being a kid, it's like oh
0: right. You know yeah, and, and I think just what Jordan said, I think it, it was probably just a situation where the kid just had too much candy, too like much the, sugar. Like
2: the parent was just got to be just like mortified and yeah. like oh, even the yeah. kid feels bad. It's just oh.
0: Yeah. So so there was uh, ushers came by and employees with gloves on and brooms and you know that little that, like that comet like uh like dry soap stuff mm-hmm. to to like pour on the pour on the seat to try and clean it up and everything and it was just it was just uh, I don't know if it was too much candy or if it was the play on the ice that made the made the little girl go. Ooh. <laughs>
2: CBJ's
1: play Certainly was so a combination, cool. I would say. Yeah.
0: So. Uh, so yeah, the experience at the game is great. I, I enjoyed it. I, I I love Nationwide Arena. I, I mentioned this when we were when we were there. I love how if you look towards the top, they it's almost like there's like a screen at the top in between the roof and the last row of the stadium where you can actually see out of the arena. And you can yeah, see it, like it's translucent. Yeah, you can see like a little bit of the skyline and, and all that. I thought that that's a really cool aspect of it. Um yeah, obviously I love Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse and whatever, so I'm not going to like I'm not going to be, like, "Oh, which one's better?" Um, but I like I do like Nationwide. I had a really good time. Um, hockey is just it's a sport where you know, I'll watch it in the playoffs, but it is so much better in person than anything else. You know, a lot of times people say about football, they're like, "Oh, I'd rather just watch the game at home, like it's better at home, whatever." I don't think that's the case with hockey. No. I think I think it's so much better in person.
2: mm mm-hmm. Mhm.
1: Well, and that's the extra hard part is um, I really feel like you didn't get the full experience, obviously, just because, especially with a home game or, you know, with a a big game like, uh, you know, a a Pittsburgh, a Detroit, stuff like that, you really get uh, the crowd into it. And obviously, after a big goal, you get the explosion of everybody there, the explosion of the cannon, things like that. So. Maybe it's just more reason to get you down for another one, hopefully a better one. But
0: yeah, you got to uh, run it back. I'm all for it. And yeah, maybe we'll bring Steve with us this time. Yeah. I'd be game. So, uh, well, anyway, let's transition a little bit into actually talking about the team uh, with the Blue Jackets. Um,. You know they've obviously. Do we have to. I, oh, we don't have to if you don't want to.
1: No, it's why I'm here. I suppose I should try to talk somebody off the
0: ledge. Yeah, let's 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 go a little five ten minutes and let's talk about the uh, the Blue Jackets. Obviously, a little bit of a tough tough start to the season. They've had a really tough last like ten days.
2: Um, yeah, I mean some of these scores are terrible. Four nothing and seven one losses the last yeah, two games. Six three going back before that, and then and then a
0: random 5-1 drubbing of the Rangers. Doesn't say very much about the Rangers, does it? Well, I think it's just, I mean, and Jordan can expand on this. I think it's just an example of, you know, the Blue Jackets just being a, like, they're, they're talented. They're also really young, and, uh, you know, so they're going to have nights where they just, you know, the talent just pops off, and they can probably beat most teams in the NHL, but most nights they're probably going to struggle a little bit.
1: Yeah, and that was the hard part actually of the game before that um, against Pittsburgh, where after slow starts in a lot of the games, uh, they actually came out and had a two nothing lead uh, through the first period, and so you finally you had some optimism of oh man, we actually came out ready to start a game, because that's been our early season problems is you know digging ourselves into you know two goal or more holes that you're trying to fight back from you come out against a team like Pittsburgh that, you know, somehow just refuses to age out like them. (laughs) They just refuse to die. Yeah. They just, every year you always kind of hear that. Oh, this will be the year that, you know, it's like Tom Brady, you know, the play will drop off and uh, they're not going to be that team that everyone thinks they are. And they just continue to do it. And they did it in that game where, you know, Blue Jackets jump out ahead two nothing, and then end up losing six to three after I think it was like three or four straight goals by the the Penguins to crawl back in it. Yeah, but then going like you said to that next game against the Rangers, which was less than twenty four hours later, because uh, Pittsburgh was a Saturday night home game, and then uh, the Rangers was like a five p.m. Sunday matinee. So you travel to New York. It's the second game of a uh, you know, back to back and you come off of a performance like that. And then you put together what almost looked picture perfect. The only Ranger goal was scored on a five on three power play, which, you know, you, you're almost expected to score at that point when you're up five, you know, on a five on three. And, uh, so again, you're thinking, okay, well, we fixed the slow start problem. We actually came out and played what looks like a complete game. Our next game is against the Arizona Coyotes at home, so that couldn't possibly go wrong and well, it did.
0: Yikes. <laughs> yeah, it was it it was interesting uh when we were at the game, uh you had mentioned that uh up to that point the the Blue Jackets had not scored a power play goal yet this season. And, and I was like it
1: Still continues. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and I and I was like, well, "You know what? I'm at the game today. And we're going to change that." And you know what happened on our first power play? Short-handed goal for the Bruins.
1: Yeah, we the jackets are actually uh, negative two on the power play. They have not scored a power play goal, and they've given up two shorthanded goals. Did they? So so
2: I'm not an NHL connoisseur, but like that sounds like that's not just bad. That's like almost getting to the point of historically bad. Is that yes? Starting Uh, off this
0: many games without a power play goal and being minus two on the power play. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So listening to uh, Bob McGilley at the radio. Uh, voice of the Blue Jackets he does a a Monday show uh, and that was brought up where I think he said uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs I think hold the worst either start or stretch of power play where it was in the 50s like they went 0 for 50 something and uh, he made sure to note that that was like the best guess because it went back to a time where stuff like that wasn't exactly tracked religiously. So it's Mm. been a while since it's been this historically bad. The problem that a lot of Blue Jackets fans have with that is that the power play has been something that has been lackluster for a good long while, probably about the last five to six years and that kind of went with, and I think I talked about this last time I was on uh, with Brad Larson being named the head coach, and he was in charge of the power play under Tortorella mm-hmm. and the offensive players. He was that assistant coach. Yeah, And so you were kind of hoping maybe something different would come from it. But it's been unfortunate that it seems like just kind of a lot of the same problems, like even gaining zone entry, uh, setting up. And especially when you think of the weapons that you have, I mean, you added Johnny Goudreau, which was unexpected at best uh, yeah. and unprecedented uh, to land the biggest name in the free agent uh, offseason. Right. Uh, you've got Patrick Laine, who's known for his shot. You've got defensemen like Zach Werenski, who are offensive-minded and able to quarterback, What should be a good power play with that kind of lineup. And there's been some issues as far as pickups in the season where – uh, you come into the season with all of this expectation and in the second period of the first game, line a goes down with an elbow injury and you were, you know, you're worried about how long he's going to be out. You know, luckily he's back and healthy, um, heading into this series in his hometown of Tampere, Finland, where they're headed to play the avalanche, uh, for two games on Friday and Saturday, um, but at the same time, you've had injuries to line A, where he was out for a bit, which really took the wind out of your sails literally in the first game of the season. And uh, the injury list right now, it's not a bunch of star power names, uh, but you have names like Adam Boakvist, who's an offensive defenseman, broke his foot, he'll be on injured reserve uh, probably about six weeks. Uh, Justin Danforth, who came in last year uh, as kind of a spark plug forward. Suffered a torn labrum, post-surgery, expected to recover six months. So you're looking at missing him for most of the season after he started out, you know, doing really well and being kind of that energy guy. Uh, And similarly, Nick Blankenberg, uh, another defenseman, uh, upper body injury, and he's day-to-day. So that's one of those where you're hoping to get him back soon because when he was called up after the sluggish start, uh, shuffling through some of the defensemen, You know he brought uh a lot of energy uh, a different look and just um you know being one of those annoying nat players Mm -hmm. where every check he's gonna finish it every puck he can get to he's gonna go as hard as he can and uh in his first game i believe it was the first game he played uh game-winning goal uh you know just to kind of say yep i'm here and this is how i play and this is what i can provide and then you lose him, you know, not for a long stretch of time, but right as he was really starting to cement his spot in the lineup. So yeah. I imagine, that, you know, they'll bring him back as soon as he's physically able to go. But just the shuffling and like you said, you've got a young team uh, who's trying to develop chemistry. And when you can't keep guys healthy or yeah. you've got issues like this where you're just looking at some of these uh, players and you're not able to form that chemistry that you want, you're trying to figure out what that right formula is. And right now, you just don't really see any winning combinations. So.
0: Yeah, and I – do you lend any of the injuries to – and I'm just basically going off of the game against Boston, and I know Boston is generally viewed as a bigger, more physical team. It just seemed like they were a lot bigger than Blue Jackets. Yeah. Um, do you maybe attribute a little bit of the injury issues to the fact that you know maybe the Blue Jackets just aren't you know one of the most bigger physical teams in the league?
1: Um, they might not be as big. That was one of the reasons they brought in um, Eric Gabranson in the free agent signing from Calgary. Mm-hmm. When a lot of people looked at it and going, why are you paying the big old journeyman, stay-at-home defenseman that kind of money? But that's what the Jackets needed. Uh, yeah. They needed a little bit more of a physical presence. Uh, same with, I believe it's Matthew Olivier, who got, who was brought over to the team in a trade from the Predators just to kind of bring in a little bit of that extra sandpaper, grit, you know, type player. Um, that was brought up on the Bobby Mac podcast, just talking about how we haven't really seen a lot of that. Um, Olivier's been in a fight, but especially during like the Coyotes game, he brought up and he, you know, in in saying also he knows that, you know, the game is a little bit different now, but Mm -hmm. saying at any point when you're down three, nothing four nothing against a team like that, where, you know, you should be better, you should be performing better. um, You know, he talks about how there's some etiquette towards fighting in the NHL where you ask a guy to go, Uh, He's saying at at some point you almost expect Gabranson, who is the veteran, who is the tough guy, who is the guy who's kind of expected to answer the bell. He goes, you should just grab somebody and start throwing. Like that's what he's advocating at that point of just your team needs something. You don't have to ask for somebody to go at that point. You need to prove a point to your team and just kind of do that. Wake up call. Yeah. I think, I think it's not something that's been seen. So,
0: I think the Blue Jackets just need to bring Biz out of retirement. <laughs> right? Paul Bissonette from uh, Spitting Chicklets podcast.
1: Little busy. Little busy,
0: right? Now. Noted scrapper in his brief time in the <laughs> NHL. So, all right, cool. And then, and then the really cool thing as uh, we kind of wrap up our uh, our Blue Jackets talk and transition into, uh, we got to talk about a little bit Browns because we didn't end up doing a postgame show because it was Monday Night Football. And uh, you know we have jobs the next day, so we couldn't really do a podcast at one in the morning. Um, the yeah. Games. Uh, the Blue Jackets are playing NHL regular season games in Hel- in uh, Finland, in Helsinki, and um, I think uh, another. Yeah. So is that is that new for the NHL? Have they been doing that?
1: Yeah, they've been doing. Um... It's like just a European series, and the funny—it uh, was during COVID. We played the Avalanche back to back because these games were actually scheduled, I believe, for last year, but just with COVID restrictions and yeah. stuff like that. So it was kind of one of those weird. It looked like a weird home and home, which it was, because yeah. when they do these, they'll send two teams over, and then they actually, you know, regardless of the fact that they're in Europe, they'll switch the home teams. Um, but right. because of the COVID restrictions, they actually did a home and home. And granted, I think they did give them a travel day. They adjusted it at least for that. Yep. Um, but no, uh, the predators did it at the beginning of the series, uh, the season I'm trying to remember who they went over with. I want to say it was maybe the wild, but I, I'm blanking on it right now. And so they went over, I think they won both games and then they came back and went on about a five or six game skid. Whew. Um, i don't know if that's just jet lag and travel because they do give them like a week to get acclimated and then a week when they come back to reacclimate.
0: yeah um so
1: whereas they well, hopefully
0: started, for the blue jackets it's the unfair. opposite effect exactly that's one of the only things
1: i'm i wouldn't say clinging to right now but it's uh it feels like it couldn't have come at a better time of yeah. all right things aren't going well we get a week off let's refocus yeah you're going up against the you know stanley cup champion avalanche but in both meetings that you played back to back last year, you beat them both times.
0: Yeah, and it could be it could so. be a it could be a cool like bonding week for the team. You know, they're gonna be they're gonna be in the same place basically with each other the entire time. Uh, it's not gonna be like you know when you're when you're playing at home and you get you know you come to the game and then you get to go home and go to your own house, your own apartment, whatever. You know, they're gonna be together, so it might be really cool for a young team to kind of bond together, especially during a tough time.
1: Yes, and especially when you've got Patrick Laine, who I would think Blue Jackets fans, despite the injury, have probably expected a little bit more from. He's going to be playing in his hometown. Yep. You've got your general manager from Finland as well, and I almost want to say he's also from Tampere. Uh, you've got Jonas Corposalo, who you know has struggled since returning from injury last season. Also finished, so he's hope he's making the trip. Um, I would imagine they're probably hopeful to try to give him one of the games. Yeah. Um, but you've got a lot of stuff going for you. You've got a lot of your, you know, teammates and countrymen who are playing in front of potentially, I would imagine, family and Mm -hmm. friends that they haven't had a chance to do so in probably a long time. So if you can try to find some soul-searching and bonding out of that. I don't know what, what better recipe you can ask for.
0: And then kind of the last thing, uh, you know, obviously um, the Blue Jackets uh, minor league affiliate is here in Cleveland with the Cleveland Monsters. You were telling me about a, uh, a young kid who I believe you said he was like 18 years old who actually played in the game that we were at. Um, but has been with the Cleveland Monsters uh, the early parts of this year, kind of had to come up because of injury. Um, who's that? And I'm assuming that he's probably going to go back and forth between Columbus and Cleveland throughout the year?
1: Yes. Uh, Juracek is the player, and now, of course, I can't remember his first name because why would I remember <laughs> something like that? Um, but, yeah, when, especially when things are going wrong, uh, this early in the season, you've got players like him who um, were just drafted, and you've got people calling, Hey, bring him up. You know, let's see what he can do. He did have a very good training camp. Um, I know he was, I believe, one of the last cuts, and it was mostly just because they wanted to give him uh, more minutes in Cleveland mm-hmm. and a better chance to uh, acclimate to North American ice as opposed to the wider European ice and just kind sure. of the differences between KHL. Uh, hockey and uh, a- AHL, NHL hockey. So, um, definitely a name to remember. Which, unfortunately, David Yurochek. There we go. Um, so yeah, injury forces a guy like him up. Uh, I didn't, and maybe I'm viewing the game through the rosiest colored glasses that I can for as bad as it was. Mm-hmm. I don't remember him standing out as playing poorly. Now, right, granted, the whole team kind of did. Right, but um, I don't recall looking at anything and saying, "Nope, that was definitely him." You can tell he's an 18 year old. I mean, the plays that I saw him making, he looked like a guy who, yeah, was new, but uh, yeah, that he definitely had the talent for.
0: Yeah, so I mean, if you're if you're listening to this podcast and you're a hockey fan here in Cleveland, um, you know. That's uh that's a name to, to watch for, um, you know, if you go to any Monsters games, which I highly recommend if you are in Cleveland and you have any interest in hockey. And even if you don't, going to a, a Monsters game is an incredible, like, family uh, outing. So um, that's a name to remember to watch for. Uh, he's a young kid that they uh, drafted and, you know, are – obviously expecting things from if they're you know, maybe it's because of injury or because, you know, they're having a rough stretch, but you know, he's an eighteen year old kid that's playing with uh playing with the pro club. So um
1: number six overall pick. <laughs>
0: yeah. So that's uh that's a pretty exciting thing to be able to watch uh here in Cleveland. So, you know, obviously, you know, it's not the easiest thing in the world to make the two hour drive south to Columbus to go to a blue jackets game, but you Know we have their essentially triple A affiliate uh, here right in our backyard, so um, so yeah,
1: so that's our that's our.
0: Oh, well, sorry,
1: I was just gonna say with a team this young, you're probably gonna see a lot of guys uh, making oh, yeah. that trip up and down 71. So, oh, yeah, if you're looking for the future Blue Jackets, those are gonna be some good games to watch, and from what I've seen, at least so far um the monsters have been uh restocked i guess is probably the best way to put it because Mm -hmm. for uh at least the last couple seasons the blue jackets have just been so hammered with uh trying to refill spots and um you know field an nhl team that um they haven't left a lot in cleveland in the past few years but um Yarmo knows how to draft and it seems like he's uh got that restocked and ready to go and Cleveland has looked good at least from the snippets that I've seen so yeah well that's because
0: that's because they they feel like a monster
1: it's a good skill reference I like that oh uh
0: all right cool well I appreciate that thanks uh for little CBJ uh rundown um you know, might be a tough year this year, but uh, they're a young team. They're going to grow, so you know. Hopefully, you know, I would say they're probably they're probably at the beginning of the of the beginning stages of the rebuild. So, um, you know, hopefully that they can develop and be a little bit of an exciting team this year. Like you like you mentioned, they probably signed the number one uh, name in free agency this year and have a couple other pieces, and um, you know. Hopefully by the end of the season, it's looking a lot more promising than maybe the tough times that they're going through now.
2: So, Credit to the Blue Jackets' front office. How often can we say one of our teams signed the number one free agent in the market? That's uh, an extreme rarity. Yeah. you got to go back to Edwin Encarnacion in 2016. Probably.
0: Or, I mean, if you consider trades, I mean, as, as – uh, uh, as polarizing as it is, the Browns did trade for potentially a franchise quarterback this offseason. So I, mean, I guess you could consider that. that but Yeah. Well, anyway, that's a nice little segue because uh, the the Cleveland Browns uh, continued to make uh, Joe Burrow their bitch.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's so. a good way to put it.
0: The next Tom Brady, ladies and gentlemen, is 0-4
2: in his career against the Cleveland Browns. And not a lot of those games have, have been close. As many Bengal fans put it on Twitter and Instagram, when they saw all ten of ESPN's analysts say the Bengals were going to win the game, they knew they were in trouble. Yeah. And sure enough. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even close. It was an
0: ass kicking. I mean, the Browns were up twenty five nothing at one point.
2: Instant replay of last year's game, even though I think the score was a wider margin last year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was for it, all yeah. To Sixteen. This Something time like it was thirty-two that, yeah. to thirteen, but I mean, yeah. still, like this game at no point. I mean, once, I mean, really, the the first drive of the game, Cincinnati's pushing the ball and they're on the Browns side of the field, and Miles Garrett gets his hand up to flex the pass, it gets intercepted. Yeah, and it seemed like that just set the tone, especially on the defensive side because they were yeah. awesome.
0: Oh yeah, I mean they were. You know what's interesting? And going back to last year, the first half of the season last year, the Browns defense stunk. Almost as bad as they did this year. They got blown out by New England last year. Yeah. And that turned the defense's season around. What happened this year?
2: Talk about parallels.
0: They got blown out by New England. And then the very next game against Baltimore, they probably played their best game of the year. And then followed it up with a with a game that against Cincinnati, which beat that game. The defense has played very well the last two weeks.
2: They've got; they're getting better.
0: Credit where it's due. The, the, we got to get to a point though, where it doesn't take half of a season for our defense to show a freaking pulse. Yeah.
1: He may not have taken over the game, but were you at least happy with Miles Garrett showing up a couple times? Oh,
0: oh, I I thought Miles Garrett played his best game of the year. I he was. I mean, he that was as close as you can be to taking over a game. I mean, you know, he didn't exact you know, he didn't make a game winning play like fourth down like fourth quarter game on the line, but he's part of the reason why that game was not on the line at the end of the game. You know, like you said Steve first drive, he he gets his paw up and Bats the ball into the air, we end up intercepting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had one of the sickest. I texted. This is gonna sound really weird, but I texted our uh, uh, former co-host Ryan Donathan uh, the clip of his spin move sack, and I'm like, when oh, I saw sweet. when I saw Miles Garrett do that, I was aroused. <laughs> that spin <laughs> no, move was fair. sick. He did it. what? I said that's fair. He did it, it wasn't even one guy. He spun around two guys and like basically didn't get touched. Yeah, cuz he
2: had an offensive lineman from yeah. of and the running back was in yeah. the block and he just spun around both of them. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah,
0: it was fantastic. And uh you know, he was uh I think he got credited with another half sack. He kind of sacked Joe Burrow with another guy. Um but yeah, I mean, he was in the backfield the whole The thing about Miles is he's always in and around the quarterback in the backfield. It's just it—it seems like he—it's like half a second before he's able to make that play. And Monday night he made multiple plays like that. He made multiple plays like he was able to actually get to the quarterback. He was able actually to, you know, make an impact play, make a uh, make a play that led to a turnover, things like that. And I thought it was hilarious on that on that uh, first interception. Uh, he, you know, he tipped the ball up in the air, so he didn't know where it was. So he's looking around. He's like, "Where's the ball? Where's the ball?" He realizes it's intercepted, and then he's going to try and block uh, mm-hmm. down the field. Yep. And, and it was funny. He was actually blocking Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow was try- going to make the tackle, and he saw Miles Garrett, and he's like, "Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that." <laughs> I thought he played the. I thought he played his best game of the season, uh, Miles Garrett.
2: Um, the whole defense. Was oh, dude, tackling better than I've seen.
0: That was so noticeable.
2: Yeah, so noticeable about how well the, and they did it a lot last week too, especially with Lamar. Um, there, there was a play I, I think it was in the sec, I think it was the second quarter where the Bengals throw out to the flat, the Joe, Joe Mixon, and yeah. Taki Taki is on him one on one. You think that I mean, that's not. Necessarily a great matchup, but he yeah. just went up to Joe Mixon. And he just took him and shoved him right into the grass. I mean, you talk about
0: so good. We talk about Miles Garrett playing his best game of the season. I think Sione Takitaki played the best football game of his life on Monday night. That guy was all that over was the a field.
1: Hit stick worthy stop. Too. Yes, it was one of those where I was catching it, and it's you know, based on what you've seen from the Browns this year, you see that and you go, oh, it's a one on one with you know, with yeah. seven yards to go. Yeah, he'll he'll break this tackle and end up picking the first and all of a sudden you just see him go down and it's like oh yeah he, he laid the boom and said that's nice yeah
0: and i in a lot of those one-on-one situations uh for the whole season if if the browns linebacker that's out there or safety or whatever was able to make the tackle he's making the tackle with the ball carrier falling forward i didn't right. see a lot of that last night i saw a lot of a lot of it where a guy's getting stopped in his tracks and he's not gaining extra yardage while the defenders making the tackle or I was seeing a lot of guys getting driven backwards, which I thought was great. That means that that means that they're, you know, they're not lunging and they're actually making sound tackles. Um I not a lot of yak. No, not at all. Yak or rack? Run after catch or yards after catch, yeah. Yeah. But uh yeah, and I thought the secondary played very well. Um we didn't you didn't hear Grant Delpit's name basically once, which is the best thing that he could ask for right now because it seems like every single game he was making some blunder and you're like, oh, yep, that's 22's fault. That's Grant Delpit. I didn't hear his name being called once during the game. Now, I was watching the Manning cast version of the game. I didn't watch uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman call it, but um, I thought the secondary played well. Martin Emerson, our third-round pick this year, um, I don't know how that guy fell to the third round. I really don't. Because he he played he's continued to play pretty well for a rookie, um. So yeah, I thought I thought the defense played incredibly well, especially uh, being down several guys. You know, Anthony Walker obviously is out for the year now. Jacob Phillips is out for the year, but he wasn't any good when he was in there. Um, Jok didn't play. Denzel didn't play. Uh, Greedy Williams barely played. Uh, so we had we had guys out, and everybody stepped up, especially on defense. So. Hats off to the defense, you know. It's a week to week league, and this week they were awesome.
2: Now, it's worth noting that this was the Browns' first win on Monday Night Football since early in the 2019 season when they beat the Jets in the Meadowlands. Um, that was maybe the only game, other well, one of only two games Odell Beckham really did anything for the Browns. Yeah, that
0: was the slant. The the uh, The
2: 90-yard slant touchdown catch he had. Yeah. Um, Um, You know, last year they played two games on Monday night. They got beaten both of them. One of them was the COVID game against the the Raiders that they probably would have won had they didn't have like a third of their team out. Yeah. But uh,
0: now let's talk about the offense because it's been a very controversial topic when talking about the Browns. Obviously, they weren't winning, so everything comes under a microscope. Everybody, you know, talking about Nick Chubb needing to get the ball more. Uh, Why is he not in at at end of half, end of game? Obviously, that didn't really matter this week because we're bludgeoning them. So Nick Chubb being in at the end of the game didn't really matter. Um, But if you look at it, Nick Chubb had more carries himself than Jacoby Brissett had pass attempts. Jacoby Brissett played his best game of the year this year. Or this week, on Monday outside of that weird fumble interception thing near the end of the first half. He was 17 of 22 for 278 yards.
2: yards. Had a touchdown, no picks.
0: And he he also had a rushing touchdown. Yes. He played his best game uh, as a Brown so far. And it's when he doesn't have to throw 30-plus times where he actually looks like a competent
2: starting quarterback. He threw the ball 22 times. Do you almost feel like sometimes, I mean, we'll never be as smart or know as much football as these guys that are making the millions, you know, oh, as sure. head coaches and yeah. all that. But it's just amazing how like, it seems like we know just as much or, or more than when it comes to play calling and, and what they should be doing and not doing in yeah. certain situations. That's what makes the Brown situation just so maddening. Um, you know Nick Chubb got the ball 23 times he had 101 yards he scored twice you know Kareem Hunt also had 11 carries so the, the Browns ran the ball considerably more than they passed it in this game and anybody who looks at their personnel assume you know without Deshaun Watson obviously would con- would conclude that that's what they should be doing every week yes. so why aren't they I you don't know, know. <laughs> that's been the big mystery and of again, this season and again
0: this is incredibly arbitrary and I'm not saying that this is the reason why but when Nick Chubb gets the ball twenty or more times this season, the Browns are three and zero. When he doesn't, they're zero and five.
2: That's the whole ball game. Yeah, right there. I
0: mean, well, I, there's a lot that goes into that. You can I, I don't think you can just use that as a blanket statement. But even if it's not Nick Chubb getting the ball twenty times, uh, if he got the ball eighteen times and Hunt gets the ball fourteen times, most of the time you're going to win.
1: I just. It well, is just so look of what Nick Chubb brings and the fact yeah. that sure you may not always get those big game breaking runs. Right. But you run him enough, yep, you're going to feel it on defense.
0: Sure. And especially yeah, it getting into the later stages of the game. And if you continue to give him the ball, you will increase the probability of him breaking one of those runs. If you, don't, exactly. if you don't give him the ball, he has no chance of doing that. And I understand nice. there there are some games, and our defense has made it so. There are a lot of games where, because you're giving up chunks on defense and you're giving up a lot of points, where you feel like you have to throw the ball more than you run. I get that. But what I'm saying is, how many games have the Browns lost by –
2: Four or less points this year. Lost the Jets. They lost the Falcons. They lost the Chargers. They lost the Ravens. Yes. So four.
0: Yes. All of those games. Uh, I. I especially. I will look to the Baltimore game. That game never got outside of one score game the entire game.
2: There was maybe one, maybe no, the Ravens ten. were up by it ten. It was ten yeah. at one point. Maybe
0: the, the Ravens were up. But even so, seven to ten, whatever. Uh, why are you th- like? Jacoby Brissett threw the ball over 40 times in that game, and I think Nick Chubb had, like, 12,
2: 14 carries. That's just not the formula for success. Right. Period. If you
0: have Deshaun Watson, okay, fine, because Deshaun Watson's also going to have six to eight carries and probably rush for, like, 50 yards. So he's going to be part of the running game. But I, throwing the ball 40-plus times with Jacoby Brissett is never going to be a recipe for success. Never.
2: It's not like that's what I
1: find so hard to understand about it is when you have a backfield like that. Yeah and again, that was the statement coming into the season is you're not going to have your, you know, top star quarterback for your first eleven games, you're gonna be running a backup. Sure. Your game plan should be run to establish the pass. Yeah. And I feel like too many times, like you said, sure you can say, Oh, well, we got behind Try to stick to that game plan just a little longer because yep. I think that's what drives so many Browns fans crazy. Is you're looking at it and going, I understand that we're behind, but as long as it's manageable, sure, stick to the game plan, run uh, Chub and Hunt, get yourself into a spot where uh, eventually, yeah, maybe the defense starts stacking the box or starts, yeah, you know, believing that that run is just going to be the steady diet, and that's where your play action or a tight end, or, you know, Amari Cooper's basically catching everything you throw at him. Yeah, so, boy. So as long as you're not asking him to throw a pass, he should be all right.
0: That's where I wanted to go next. I mean, is Amari Cooper not the Nick Chubb of wide receivers, or is he not? We get that guy for a fifth-round pick from the Cowboys, Amari that was, Cooper.
2: That was a steal.
0: And now you look at teams trading a second-round pick for Chase freaking Claypool, like the Bears just did. Like how that, that trade looks insanely incredible right now by Andrew Berry. Get trading a fifth round pick to the Cowboys for Amari Cooper. I mean Amari Cooper's gonna catch he's he's gonna he's gonna have a thousand yards receiving this year.
2: That Claypool trade just is another example of how good an organization the Steelers are and how bad of one the Bears are. Yeah. Well I mean, let's not give the Steelers any credit. They're two and six they're terrible. <laughs> Good morning, good
0: afternoon, good night, Pittsburgh. I'm not I'm not here to give I'm not here to give any Steeler flowers today. I we, mean, we can all we can all
2: no, we can We can, also offload Robert well, we can, Quinn for pennies as well to Yeah, the, Robert the Quinn
0: and then uh well I, I will say uh they made up for that by getting a second and a fifth round pick from Baltimore for Roquan Smith,
2: hmm.
0: who was a linebacker that they were not going to re sign in the offseason and they somehow got a second round pick for him.
2: Yeah, hopefully the Ravens don't get much of a return on that one.
0: Well, that's another thing, and this is a whole other podcast. Uh, Roquan Smith wants a big contract. You know who else wants a big contract on the Baltimore Ravens? Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. So you just traded a second-round pick for a guy. Or are you just going to let him walk in the offseason? Because I swear to God, if they give Roquan Smith a contract before they give Lamar Jackson a contract.
2: Not going to have the cap space.
0: Well, no. It's just things are going to get ugly in Baltimore with the Lamar Jackson situation. I mean, people are talking about, uh, oh, the Baltimore can just franchise him. Lamar Jackson's not playing on the franchise tag. Are you kidding? Even though he'd be making like what
2: thirty-five million dollars or whatever. It yeah, is? but
0: it's a one—it's a one-year contract, and he's a running quarterback. All he needs to do is take a hit like RG three did uh, back in the day, and his, and his career's over. Mm. Lamar Um, Jackson, Jordan. What do you think about that?
1: Quarterback just got two hundred and thirty-five million dollars guaranteed. I think,
0: yeah, I think that's
1: love it, hate it, whatever. I think you did some damage to every
0: other team. Absolutely. Absolutely, and I think that's part of the reason why the, the negotiations with Lamar Jackson for the Ravens are not going as they want to. It's because the Browns did what they did. So you know, the Browns hopefully after. You know, his suspension's over and whatever. Everything's cleared up. Got themselves a franchise quarterback. And then almost like a like a ancillary uh, move within the same move, effed up their division rivals. I mean, because we talk about Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow's contract is coming up right after that. <laughs> so, you know, all that being said, you know, we'll see. We got another three games before – Deshaun gets back. And Andrew Barry at his bye week press conference today said, Yes, uh, Deshaun Watson will be starting week 13 in Houston. Um, he already said that decree. So we will be seeing Deshaun Watson in, well, we got the bye week. So in four weeks' time, three, ga- three more games. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, Nick Chubb, fantastic. I thought Kareem Hunt played his one of his best games of the season. Uh, he had not been seen very much the previous few games, and there was a lot of rumors that said that the Browns may have been uh, shopping him, which I guarantee if they would have lost on Monday night, uh, Kareem Hunt would not be a Cleveland Brown right now um, because their season would have been over. So, And this kind of brings me to uh, my last piece. I wanted to talk about the Browns. Did they get up off the mat and did they see,
2: save their season on Monday? Yes, absolutely a hundred times. Yes, they did. Now, is is this gonna have staying power? I mean, they got two games that are really tough coming up right out of the gates, out of the bye, at Miami and at Buffalo. They've got to find a way to win one of those. Then they got to find a way to beat Tampa yep. before Deshaun Watson comes back. Because we said five and six was gonna be the target. That they had to be at yeah. to to realistically make a run at this. Yeah. The schedule's not that difficult down the stretch after this, you know, but we said this stretch in November was gonna two, be the hardest. Yeah. They have like it's they But the bottom line is, is if you had lost this game, you would have been two and six, you would have lost choice in the division, you would have been done. 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 At least now done. Done. You're two and one inside the division, you're three and five. Three and is not good, but no. you're two games behind Baltimore. You're only a game behind Cincinnati, you've got a head head win against them. Yep. It's not an impossible situation, but again
0: and the these final... next
2: two weeks are tough. Yes. Well that's we don't have a game part. this week, but yeah. Like you next two games. The I, fact that you gave I, the up is yeah, early I, like ew. Right.
0: Yes. A hundred percent. And I'm looking and I'm looking square in the face of that Jets game. That Jets game was the worst one. Yeah. Yep. That if you had just won that game, you'd be four and four right now, two and one in the division. And this Miami game, while it would still be important, it wouldn't be a must win. This Miami, I, I'm assuming we're going to lose to Buffalo, all right, because it's not it, a bad Buffalo. assumption to make because Buffalo is amazing. Right, know? and it's at Buffalo and, you know, whatever. I don't expect, if we had Deshaun Watson, I thought I think maybe that could be a different story, but we won't have him yet. Um, but the Miami game is critical. You have to win that Miami game. And then, you know, you take your lumps in the Buffalo game and then, 79 year old Tom Brady comes to town freshly off his divorce and looking like a meth addict because he's just wasting away I mean have you seen the pictures of him he looks like he hasn't eaten in six months
1: well, I mean his cheeks hard to come by
0: yeah his cheeks are like sinking in it's just you know I feel for the guy almost you know if he didn't have seven super Bowls I'd kind of
2: feel bad for him I mean if I had just fumbled away just sell I don't I don't think he'd be eating much either <laughs> that's so. true that's very true <laughs> Um so yeah, I mean go
1: with your wrestling analogy. I mean, yeah, they're off the mat. You got out at the two and a half count, but oh, yeah. it's that it's that pivotal part where oh, yeah. you just can't get hit with another finisher. And that's yeah, what that, this stretch of games is.
0: Yeah, the Bengals game was definitely a false finish, for sure. Love that
2: analogy, Jordan.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was a uh that was the, the, the ref's arm coming down for the third count and then stopping right right before he hits the mat. Um <clears throat> And then the whole crowd yelling two. Um, so, yeah, it, it's – it's you have to go down to Miami and win. And I think that's a winnable game. You know, Miami's very good, especially when two is in there. But I think if our defense continues to to keep growing, I will say Miami definitely bolstered themselves at the trade deadline, trade, trading for Bradley Chubb and Jeff Wilson Jr. Uh, that happened. So, yeah, I – but if they can play the way that they get against Baltimore, I mean, or uh, well, Baltimore and Cincinnati, uh, think
2: long I, and short, I think they're going to
0: have a good chance to win on. Because, and I will say, I don't know if this has anything to do with anything, but I, I guarantee you, two thirds of that stadium in Miami is going to be orange and brown.
2: I can almost guarantee that. I don't know about two thirds, but it, it is going to be one of those games where there's going to be a very significant amount of uh, fans for the Browns at Hard Rock Stadium. And the long and short of it with Miami is, is, if they had a competent medical staff, they'd probably be better than five and three right now. Because when Tua has not been in the lineup, they've just been a completely different team, and they've been they've been awful compared to when he's been in there. Yeah, I don't yeah, think...
0: no, I, they're tough. They're they're very tough. But I I don't think they're not Kansas City or or Buffalo tough. No. So it's definitely a winnable game, and it's one that because of the stupid crap that you've done the first half of the season, you have to have this game,
2: have to have it. Yeah, you're facing the music now. Yeah,
0: you win that, you go to four and five. Like we said, you're probably losing to Buffalo, probably by a lot. You're four and six, and if you can somehow, you, you know, you get Tampa, but you get Tampa at home. That's Thanksgiving weekend. Um, you win that when game, you're chilly by then. Yeah, maybe could be. Who knows? <laughs> and
2: they're not playing good football at all. I mean, they look bad. I mean, that is a game that objectively the Browns should win. Yeah. And then you
0: get Deshaun Watson back in Houston. So, if you're 5 and 6 going into that game, everything's to play for at that point because your remaining 3 divisional games are going to are going to come when Deshaun Watson's your quarterback. I mean, you, you can got, you, you can th- you can win all 3 of those games. You're going to get Baltimore at home, and Baltimore doesn't look great even no. though they beat us. Uh, we never lose to Cincinnati, and right. and Pittsburgh stinks. Yeah.
2: So, You were an offensive pass interference call away from beating the Ravens the first time. Oh. You know, sucks. But, I mean, again, you just laid it out with the three division games. And then on top of that, your other two games besides those are both NFC opponents that aren't that good, New Orleans and Washington. Even though Washington's on a bit of a run at the moment, yeah. you know,
0: I just – And maybe they they, they might get a boost in morale now that uh, their owner their ridiculous
2: owner is going to sell the team. Yeah, maybe it's a show of how things – we think we know about the NFL. Like we thought that of the two Florida teams, Tampa was going to be the harder team. Turns out it's Miami. And now we're talking about the Commanders, as though that's going to be an easy game, but maybe not. Yeah, and you know – And and there are going to be twists and turns with these last
0: 10 games of the season. I mean, who knows? The Browns might – get the South Beach flu in Miami and lose in Miami, and then they turn around and, and they, you know, steal the season and they go win in Buffalo. I mean,
2: you never know. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because if I was the Browns, you know, I don't know what time the team has to be in the next city for the next game, but let's say, I don't know, let's say it was like 5 p.m. on Saturday. I would not be touching down in Miami before 4.59. Yeah. Seriously, do not give them any extra time whatsoever and don't yeah. don't let anyone out of your sight at the hotel
0: well, in I, Miami it was it was almost it's almost like i wish they were they were back in covid lockdown for this game because you know right. the team wouldn't be able to leave the hotel so um yeah so i we'll see what happens i do you think the bye week came at a good time or a bad time for the team
2: uh indifferent I okay. I mean it's it's never good they to played. have a really great game right before the bye yeah. but they had a four game losing streak right before that True. so
0: but the last two weeks two division rivals even though they lost against Baltimore I think the Browns probably played maybe played their two best games of the season the last two weeks um so yeah it's now you get a week off I I I think it's good it's good. it's going to be it's it's going to be good because it's going to help us get some guys back you know, hopefully the concussion thing with Denzel has been weird, but hopefully with another week, you know, you're able to get him back. Um, you would
2: hope. I mean, it would be a sign of something much more severe if he's not back yeah. in two weeks. You
0: might be able to get David Njoku back. Uh, well, Denzel Ward's been out for three weeks now. Hmm. He's missed the last three games. So you're hopefully going to be able to get David Njoku back. Um, he's that's That's going to be a homecoming for him as he played at the University of Miami in college. Uh so that's gonna be an important game for him. Uh you're gonna get White Teller back, which is gonna be enormous. Um yeah. So I guess it's a good time in that aspect. You're able to get you're gonna be able to get some guys back healthy. So uh, you rest
1: up like that with that many people that you're talking about, and then you look at it as this is the time that, like you said, because of the games you bobbled early on, this is the stretch you really need to get. And I would say if you can get around 500 when you're getting Deshaun Watson yeah. back, then yeah, you did what you kind of set out to do, which was yeah. tread water. You won your division games outside of the one. Yeah. And if you can tread water until you get him back, I would say, yeah, maybe not the games we expected to win versus the games we expected to lose, but. Yeah. If at least you can make them even out and get to that point and you're still alive in the division, I mean, that's about all you can ask for.
0: Is there any scenario that you see, Steve, where the division winner out of the AFC North is 9-8? and eight?
2: Yeah, I absolutely do believe that because I don't think any of the other AFC North teams are any good, quite frankly. Yeah, I thought at the beginning of the season Baltimore was going to be the best of the bunch. They are leading the division, but they've had a hard time holding on to leads. Lamar Jackson has made some key... Really big. We talk about Jacoby Brissett doing this. Lamar Jackson has made some huge, yeah. sometimes game-killing errors in the fourth the only quarter. Thing, the only thing about now, and
0: why losing that first Baltimore game not look dominating either. Losing that first Baltimore game hurts is because I, I don't have it in front of me. But the next four games on Baltimore's schedule are really easy.
2: Hmm. Well, that must mean they must have a really tough December. Yeah, you would think. So, um, and then Cincinnati is just a team that. For whatever reason, they can't seem to beat the Browns. They don't seem to beat the other AFC North teams. They're 0-3 inside the division. But yet, yeah. for whatever reason, the rest of the NFL can't beat them. I, I don't understand that, quite frankly. Because the Bengals are just they are just another team. They're just kind of meh, average, yeah. at best. And for some yeah. reason, they just caught fire at the right time in the playoffs last year. And so the reason, I've, so, I've, just, I've been a huge seller on them this year. I was saying Super Bowl curse all the way. And, yeah. This game was definitely an example of that. So the reason
0: why I asked about the whole 9 and 8 thing is I I think it's very possible that the Browns end up losing two out of the next 3 because they are tough games. But then going something like 5 and 1 when Deshaun Watson comes back. I think I think it's very likely that the Browns it with Deshaun Watson can run the table on the remaining of the, of the division games. That's 3. And then you said which they... would be
2: a prerequisite to to right. do it for right. sure.
0: And then, yeah. like you said, we play the Commanders, we play uh, uh, the Saints. Saints, and then what's the other one? What's the what's the last Command one? Of the last six uh, Texans. Oh, okay. So then you got if you do that, you got to win two out of the three out of those three. I mean, I think we can do it. So if you're four and seven when you get Deshaun back and you go five and one down the stretch with Deshaun, you finish nine and eight and you're five and one in the division. I think the Browns win the division.
2: Yeah, the only way they wouldn't is if another team gets the ten wins. Yeah, which, be, which to me would be breaker on anyone. I think. Yeah,
0: which to me would be Baltimore because Baltimore had their five. They already have five wins and their next handful of games are pretty easy. I think they also have the S- Saints in there. Uh, who else do they play I know they have one of the easier schedules the rest of the 14
2: season. of the 17 games are all the same of course right uh, I mean I'm just I'm pulling it up right now tomorrow, Their next game is against is against the Saints and then they play Carolina and then's I think then Carolina and then Jacksonville Yeah so yes it's and then and then Denver Yeah so yeah their next month is very easy after that, well, then Steelers. Browns is after that, then Falcons, then Steelers again, and then finish with Cincinnati. So I'm reading this. I'm not feeling as optimistic now. I know that that looks really well, simple. It's going to have to be another situation like last year, where Lamar Jackson gets hurt,
0: and then the Baltimore just because Lamar Jackson is their entire team, and we saw it last year. He got injured against the Browns game and didn't play again, and they lost their last six games of the season in a row. Which you never know. I mean,
2: that's, right. you can they're never only pr- as good as that. I yeah, mean, you could never predict
0: injuries. So it's going to be interesting on the stretch run. Obviously, we've got the bye week next week. Um, so hopefully they can get healthy. Uh, next week, obviously, we are going to be – we didn't get to really to dive into it um, tonight. But uh, we're going to dive back into the Cavs next week with the Browns having a bye week. Uh, they were playing – uh, a big regular season home game tonight against Boston.
2: That game is tied with six seconds remaining in regulation.
0: Holy crap. Well, we're going to have to end this
2: episode. 107-107. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. And, uh, yeah, so um, that's pretty much going to do it for us uh, this week. Jordan, you got any uh, anything else, any shout-outs or anything?
1: Uh, let them know. That's, that's right. That's what I'll say to that.
0: Hashtag yeah. let them know. That's right. Uh, well, we appreciate you, Jordan, uh, jumping on with us again. It's always a good time. Uh, love talking Blue Jackets and uh, Columbus with you, and uh, yeah, we'll do this again soon. But uh, thanks I was again.
1: Say you got me to drink an IPA. So hey I did. Good on you.
0: Yeah. So thanks, thanks again for letting me crash your guys' place this weekend, and I'll be back down to visit again. So
1: absolutely. Like I said, we got to get you to a better game.
0: That's right. That's right. All right, so uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, Jordan, where can the people find you on social media?
1: At Jordan the Hoff. On the Twitters? That's all I got. i right. very basic.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> very nice. Okay, so uh, the Cavs-Celtics game is going to OT. All right, well, we're going to pop over in the next room and watch that after this episode. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you can follow us at Stiff's McGee. And me at Daniel J. Ford. And you can follow the show at the LOTL podcast. This has been episode 234 of Living Off the Land. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will see you next week. See ya. I